Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jan Roos, and I am here with a podcast about going multi-channel or going omni-channel or whatever the uh, kids are calling it these days. So in a nutshell, this is something that I've seen discussed for a number of years. I think in 2022, when we're recording this, it's more realistic than ever. But like a lot of things in marketing, I think there's a lot of hype to separate from the substance. But of course, there's also a kernel of value in there, right? So to kind of de- start with sort of a definition, when people talk about going multi-channel, you know, literally this means pursuing multiple channels. And I'm going to try to keep this to the paid advertising side of things, partially it's, you know, what we can speak to intelligently because it's what we do. But also, you know, you can kind of consider this doing even stuff that's offline. You know, if somebody does direct mail to the channel, that's technically going multi-channel. But um, why do people want to do this? So the first thing is that there's a lot of reason for people to want to sell this because it's additional work and stuff that people can be charged for. But at the same time, if you have the ability to do this stuff, there are some benefits. And again, there are ways to kind of minimize. And I'm going to make the second half of this podcast be more of like an application type of things because I see a lot of pitfalls to kind of pursuing this hazardly. But if you're kind of taking things from a base principles perspective, there's a lot of landmines that you can potentially avoid doing this. But if we're starting with this kind of initial drawback to multi-channel, which is creating more work, creating more effort, potentially having to manage multiple things, multiple channels, and that's going to be the cost. But what are we getting? What is the juice uh, for the squeeze that we're going to have to potentially consider when we're we're going multi-channel? So the first thing that I think most people are attracted to with the possibility of going multi-channel is the possibility of getting a lower cost. So let me kind of explain how something like this, there's there's really two ways that going multi-channel could reduce your overall cost. And one of these is something that we're doing all the time at KSU and it's working super well. So first thing is that when you have multiple channels in the mix, there's going to be the chance that some of those channels are more effective than others. What's kind of cool about having a multi-channel strategy is it allows you to place small bets in a way that you're not really able to do if you're all in on a certain channel or another, right? So let's say that, uh, and again, you're pursuing the methods that I'm going to recommend at the end of this podcast, and you've got creative that's tuned up for this, and you want to say, hey, let's check out TikTok. Let's see what's what's hot over there. If TikTok ends up being less expensive, which is generally going to be a trend that you'll see when channels are new, then that can bring your overall cost of lead down, which is really, really cool. So there is the potential of getting lower costs on average from going through a multi-channel strategy. The other thing too, is if you have multiple channels that are working, there's a kind of an interesting principle. This is going to tie back into something that I recorded a podcast on maybe a year or two back. But within an individual traffic channel for paid ads, there are going to be diminishing returns, especially when we're considering local advertising, which you know most of the attorneys that are advertising period are going to be worried about, right? So if you wanted to triple your budget in St. Louis, you'd probably just be showing the same people three times as many ads. Is that going to get more stuff? Yes. Is it going to be as effective as, you know, maybe rotating that a little bit more? No, not necessarily. So if you said hypothetically, and this is some super common budget numbers that we'll uh, get started with people in our program. So if we have a $60 a day budget, for example, and we're putting that all on Facebook, 
then we're either going to hit diminishing returns faster or air quotes, burn out the market more quickly if all of those $60 are consolidated into one channel, regardless of what the channel happens to be. If we have all these things in place and it works, and we wanted to put $20 on TikTok and $20 on YouTube and $20 on Facebook, then not only would we be getting benefits from having multiple channels, we're gonna get into some more in a little, but we're gonna actually have a lower cost per lead because we're gonna essentially be skimming the most active traffic on those channels. And again, they're all going to get to the point where they have diminishing returns sooner or later, but this allows us to hit those slower. Another potential strategy that you can do is mix things up with having some channels on and some channels off. So let's say maybe you start with those three, YouTube burns out first, you just turn off YouTube entirely, you reallocate the budget to Facebook and TikTok or whatever you happen to be. And then once the second one flips over, then you end up turning on YouTube. So this also kind of becomes, I used to use this metaphor a lot when we were talking about stuff on, on client demos too, but like kind of like crop rotation back in like the old medieval times, right? You'd plant your wheat, you'd let the ground chill out for a bit, you'd plant your legumes or peanuts or whatever, they would replenish the ground, give it some time off, and then you'd end up being able to take the same crop or, or farmland and be able to get more yield out of it. And to kind of extend that metaphor a little bit, like it's really the crop that you're working on is going to be your local market, right? And, you know, you can absolutely factory farm and bond the heck out of it with nitrates and all these crazy unsustainable practices. But in the long grand scheme of things, sometimes it's worth pulling back a little bit so you can have more of a sustainable channel to work on, right? Okay. So we've talked about lowering our costs with new channels, lowering costs through employing different strategies and, and fighting diminishing returns. Another thing too is, and there's, there's two things. So one is what is the relationship between these multiple channels and the people that are within your individual market? And in our experience so far, by and large, different channels tend to attract different people. So the ones we've done the most work on in the estate planning space, you know, Facebook and YouTube, it's a different market. Like every once in a while, you'll see somebody who comes in from a YouTube ad that's also somebody who's come in on a Facebook ad previously. But basically, I almost consider this fishing in different ponds with different baits. The more channels that you have, it's there's more, you know, ability to get to deeper penetration of people that aren't active in your market. You could be absolutely dominating Facebook on your in your local area, but you're just not getting the people who don't have a Facebook account, right? Similarly, you could be dominating YouTube, but like there's people that are going to be on Facebook that never watching a YouTube, right? So it's it's and so on and so forth. Um, you're able to access different markets. And the other thing too, I just kind of want to add as a parenthetical is like, I don't want to make too broad of generalizations about who's in all these different markets. One of the things that we've been super surprised to find recently is that like certain markets like um, TikTok, for example, very commonly thought to be a, you know, sort of millennial Gen Z kind of channel, probably more Gen Z than millennial, to be honest. But, you know, there's people that are baby booners that are on TikTok that are responding to ads that are putting out about estate planning. So it's like, you know, there are going to be certain skews, but you can find the same people regardless of, you know, who you're trying to get after, assuming you're, you know, doing the right thing with your ads. But again, there's people, you know, there's, <laughs> I guarantee there's, there's somebody's grandma who's doing the dances on TikTok right now, or, you know, maybe she's looking up for stuff for recipes, or maybe she's looking for gardening tips. There's literally everything on the network. But anyways, so being able to be multi-channel allows you to tap into completely different groups of people that you know, you're not going to be able to access with your current channels. And then for the people that are on multiple channels, there are benefits as well. So I call this the live aid phenomenon. And this is something that I, I forget what I read. I think it was in this book made to stick, but they were talking about how they had like a big top down strategy for the huge live aid concert back in the day. And the strategy was they wanted to make sure that people were going to see their ads in three of five different locations. And at the time it was 
TV, radio, magazines, newspapers, movies, like all these different things, right? So based on their research, when people saw the ad in a couple of different places, then they, they basically came to the conclusion that this was a can't miss live event that they had to, to tune in for, right? And similarly, what we've seen whenever we have the situation where people are on multiple markets, and you can kind of think about this as well. There's this perception that whoever is doing the advertising to the point where they can effectively be on multiple channels is kind of a big deal. So there is sort of a perception of authority that comes from being the person that's on all these different channels. And there's some benefits to that. And last but not least, the last benefit I want to go to is just basically diversification, right? So sometimes markets get super crazy. Uh, one of the things that we learned the hard way at the end of 2020 was that, like, you know, Facebook, again, this has always happened. There's always seasonality related to Facebook, but it was just the worst version ever because of basically, you know, the election that was going on and Black Friday without, uh, for the first time ever, without the ability for people to go into stores. So it was just insane. Costs like tripled, quadrupled. I would have loved to have had YouTube set up three months before that. And then, you know, it was a huge impetus for us to eventually get YouTube as a channel that was competitive with Facebook. But, you know, if you ever have the situation where costs go crazy on a platform, then you've got backup, right? God forbid you end up having an ad account shut down. You want to be able to, you know, have a situation where you're not completely all in on one channel, even if it's the best channel with the best cost per acquisition in such place. You need to have diversification if you want to have a consistent strategy. And a consistent strategy is key to doing things like hiring and making sure that you can make accurate projections of where you're going to be in your law firm. So diversification, very, very important. So um, that is it as far as the benefits that we're going to be talking about in terms of going multi-channel. And I want to switch gears a little bit to just kind of how we end up thinking about these things and just some common pitfalls that people end up running into. So the first one, and this is going to be kind of a quickie, is a lot of people will talk about stuff about retargeting. And I honestly think it's a little bit overblown the way that people talk about this. So overall, if we have retargeting, it's usually, you know, people will talk about having retargeting being like the lowest cost per lead you possibly have, which is great. but Kind of going back to that same example of crop, retargeting is generally going to be a very, very small subset compared to like the cold traffic that's available. A lot of networks, Facebook, Google, et cetera, they're not even going to let you run ads to an audience of fewer than a thousand people, you know, which is great if you have a channel that is bringing in big numbers and you want to kind of get some extra juice out of that. Classically, one that we've seen a lot, you know, over the years is people who have like really, really solid SEO. We're talking like five, 10, 20,000 views a month. And then those guys can do really, really well with remarketing because there's a lot of people. But, you know, if we're kind of pushing maybe a Google search campaign, you're getting a couple hundred clicks a month or a Facebook campaign or, you know, doing $40, $60 budget a day, that's really not going to move the needle. Again, it sounds really, really sexy, but just the reality of is unless you have a lot of traffic in general, retargeting is not going to be a huge needle mover. Like efficiency wise, great. Yeah, you're going to be getting $5 lead, but, you know, it's going to be one every two months. So you know, copy an mTOR. <laughs> um, the next thing is basically just making sure that you are able to kind of consolidate strategy and like not cross a couple of a channels. So the, the most important one in my mind is just kind of keeping things um, separate as far as like what these different channels represent as far as the buyer's journey. So just using estate planning as an example, because we do a lot of it, we wouldn't want to necessarily take a webinar ad and put that onto Google search. Um, Google search is great, but a webinar is a push strategy. We're trying to get in front of people who aren't actively looking for estate planning and take them all the way down the rabbit hole to the point where, you know, we've educated them and we're the people to work with versus Google, which is more of a pull strategy. And again, like, you know, Google's fantastic for the firms that we do like Google with for estate planning. A lot of the times people are working for with stuff like emergency Medicaid planning or probate, because that is a pull 
service, right? Similarly, I wouldn't generally want to be advertising, you know, webinars for personal injury attorneys, right? You know, there's a chance that you're going to find somebody who just happened to get in a car crash and, you know, they want to sit through your webinar. But in general, it's like, you know, I'm not probably going to be a good fit, right? So, um, and in general too, like when we're talking about the pull networks, that's going to be stuff like directories. That's going to be stuff like Google, Bing, um, et cetera. And then uh, the push channels would be more of the content networks, right? So that's going to be Facebook, Google Display Network, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, or anything that's kind of under, you know, I guess the meta umbrella these days, that's more of a push type thing. So anyway, and then the next thing is just basically the major types of ads. So again, this has probably been <laughs> the, the context of a lot of this stuff is around uh, channels like TikTok, which is something we've been working on. I'm probably going to get a dedicated episode on that in the near future. But one of the things that's super, super interesting, and you guys may have noticed this just on the consumer side of things, is that there's sort of been a TikTok-itization of video creative as a whole. The attention spans on TikTok are so low that you need to have a really high production value and you need to have some very, very strong hooks and super engaging content to work. Guess what? That kind of stuff does really, really well on Facebook as well. That stuff does really, really well on YouTube as well. So basically, we have the possibility where we can have one piece of content that is sort of repurposable towards different channels, right? But that kind of you know begs the question: What are the major ads that we have to deal with? So um, if we're talking about, I mean, I kind of classify it as, as three major types, right? So the first one is going to be text only. Um, that's going to be exclusively for stuff like search, so Google, Bing. I've never done a Twitter ad in my life, but I, I guess Twitter would be text only as well. The next category would be image and text. These are going to be platforms like Facebook, platforms like LinkedIn, if you're using that, platforms like Google Display Network. So it is important to have strong creative for the visual, but generally there's going to be some amount of area for like expandable text or body text that you can have as well too. So that's kind of the separate type. And then the last thing is going to be, of course, video. So YouTube, TikTok, Instagram stories is a big one for these as well. Facebook's kind of a flex because Facebook, you know, actually video creative on Facebook in newsfeed has actually done really, really well for us. So you can almost get a, you know, three for one on that too. So if, if you have good video creative, it's really, really strong to kind of syndicate across that. So basically, you know, just kind of as far as the application goes, if you're going to be pursuing a multi-channel strategy, see where you can double dip on your content. At the end of the day, content is where a lot of people end up getting held up. I would say less the production of stuff and more of just gearing yourself up to get ready for it. But again, if you have strong video, strong images, strong copy, then you can pretty much unlock any channel that's out there right now until we start getting into like, I don't know, crazy virtual reality stuff, who knows. Um, but that's pretty much it, guys. So um, those are my thoughts on going multi-channel, going omni-channel, why you'd want to consider to do that, and hopefully a few ways that you could potentially avoid some headache if you want to go in that direction. So I um, hope that was enjoyable. And for everybody else, I will see you guys next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern on the Law Firm Growth Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode.